Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, church. If you're new around here and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at NCC and Um, We are so excited that you're here with us worshiping together this morning, and I want to just encourage you in something and and challenge you in something. We are a church that's passionate about making people and places new, and this week is Thanksgiving week, and so I'm sure you guys all have plans um, over a nice turkey dinner and all of the fixings and to watch some football. Does anyone have those in their plans this week? Okay, a lot of you guys, and I just want to encourage you in this. We are constantly looking for ways, and God is opening up doors for us to be present in our community and to minister um, to families in need in our community. And this week we're delivering 10 um, Thanksgiving meals to homeless families. And what that means is we have a number of families that we're partnered with through the school and through Tom Edwards, the social worker um, at Mesquite ISD. And so this week we're going to be cooking meals for them because a lot of these families are in a motel room or a hotel room or they don't have a permanent residence and so they don't have a way to cook a Thanksgiving meal. We're going to be delivering that to them And just letting them know that, hey, there is a church here in Mesquite that believes in them and that wants to support them during this time. And so I just want to encourage you as you wake up on Thursday morning, as you're going about your day with friends and family members, that you would pause at some point during the day and just pray for these families in need. A lot of them are going through a difficult time. Um, They don't have the blessings, you know, maybe that God has blessed us with during this holiday season. And so we want to lift them up, that they would know the love of God, that they would understand, man, that God is for them. And that God wants to bless them during this time of year. And so I just want to encourage you to make sure that you pause um, on Thanksgiving Day this Thursday. And just pray for those families that are in our community that are in need. That God would use um, our gift to really minister in their life. Well, as I look across the room this morning, I know that there's a wide, wide age difference. You know, there's some that are younger. There's some that are older. And so this opening illustration may uh, miss some of you guys. But how many of you grew up watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Anyone? Okay, you guys have seen that movie, Matthew Broderick, um, Ferris Bueller, the main character in there. He's coming up with this scheme, in case you haven't seen the movie, of kind of how he can skip school. And so this whole movie is about his day of skipping school and what he's going to do. And I remember the first time that I watched that, if you've never seen that movie, it starts off kind of different and kind of weird because Matthew um, Broderick, Ferris Bueller, this person in this movie, looks directly at the camera and he starts to talk to the audience. And he tells you this scheme that he's coming up with. He tells you how to fake out your mom. Um, if you're in school, I do not recommend this, okay? But how to fake clammy hands and like you have a fever and how to fake like you're sick. And so he tells you what he's going to do. He lets you in on the secret of what he's about to do. And then you kind of see it play out. And throughout the movie, he keeps on talking to the audience. It was weird because movies don't typically do that. You normally see people talk to each other. Sometimes you kind of understand what the character's thinking, but very few times do you ever see them talking to the audience or the moviegoer. I can remember the first time we were at some friend's house and they had to sit down and watch a TV show called The Office. And that same thing happened. At first it felt weird. I was like, I don't like this because the characters kept on talking to the camera, to the movie screen, or to the audience, and it just felt different. It was called a mockumentary, and other shows have done that now, but it just kind of felt different in that. Kids shows do a really good job of this, don't they? Like if you're a parent or a grandparent or you watch kids, you understand this, like Dora the Explorer and Sesame Street, what do they do? Hey, count with me, or 
sing this song, and I find myself in front of the TV singing, I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map. And, and it's weird, but, but there's something kind of cool about that where you're interacting, and I realize in that moment, no one's hearing me, like Dora's not hearing me sing this song, but, but there's something about interacting like that. And so this morning, I want to share a message with you called Breaking the Fourth Wall. Breaking the Fourth Wall. That's just the term like theater and, and movie um, producers and directors use whenever the character or that person in that movie or in the book or whatever literature it is, whenever they talk to the audience and they realize, hey, there's someone else viewing this. There's someone else out there that's going to be watching this or interacting with this. And they break that fourth wall, so to speak, and begin to interact with the audience or with the people around them. And this morning, I want us to think about this, especially as it deals with our relationship with God. That we need moments in our life and we need a time where we break that fourth wall and where we admit, admit that, hey, there's someone else watching this. That there's someone else in this story of our life. There's someone else interacting with us. And that is the person of God, that he's present in every single part of our life in every day. See, whenever we start to realize this as the church, as Christians, whenever we believe this, that God, you're not just distant. You're not just somewhere up there in the cosmos or in the heavens, but God, you're present with us wherever we go, it begins to change things in our life. We're no longer just caught up with the drama that we go through or the script of our life or the characters surrounding us, but we realize, God, you want to interact with us. God, you want to spend time with us. You want to have conversations with us. And this simple truth right here, that God is present with us and that his presence changes things and brings the supernatural power of God into our life makes all the difference in the world. And so I want us to look at this. I want us to challenge us this morning that we would break the fourth wall in our life and discover God's presence everywhere that we go. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn to Psalms chapter 139. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat um, in front of you or underneath the seat that you're sitting on. And you can grab that and turn to page 336. In the book of Psalms, it's just this collection of poems and songs that these people um, in ancient Israel wrote, and a lot of them have to do with their relationship with God and their relationship with other people and God being present in our life. And in Psalms 139, we see this king named King David. He was a pretty famous king in the Bible, and he's writing this story to God. And he's talking about God's power, who God is, and, and God knowing everything and what it means for God to be present in our life. And so he starts this chapter by just saying, God, you know everything. You know when I was formed, you know everything about me. And so we pick up on, in verse 7, what David is writing to God about God being present in our life. And this is what he says in Psalms 139, verse 7. David says this, God, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Everywhere your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light will be night around me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for darkness is as light with you. What is it that David's saying? What is he he's declaring there? He's saying, God, I'm starting to realize this. As I'm writing this song, as I'm writing this poem, God, I'm understanding that there's nowhere that I can go. God, that you have placed your spirit here on this earth and there's nowhere that I can be, God, that your spirit is not close to me. Now, just take a moment and think about that. What David is saying, what he's writing, God, I could go to the heavens. I could go to the darkest place. I could 
fly on an airplane. I could go in a submarine, submarine in the deepest part of the sea. God, it doesn't matter where I'm at. God, your spirit and your presence is there with me. Now, whenever you really start to think about this, it messes with your mind a little bit, okay? Like, just think about that, that this morning as we're singing here, as we're hearing God's word, that God's presence is in this room with us. That God is present here with us, that he's not just up in heaven, but his presence and his spirit is right here in this room with us. But not only right here, but he's also in New York City, he's in L.A., he's in Europe, he's in Paris, he's in Africa, he's in Southeast Asia and China, he's everywhere. His spirit, the word of God says that his glory and his spirit covers the earth. So there's nowhere that you can go. There's no one that's separated from God's presence. There's nowhere that we can find ourselves. And that's what David is saying. God, I'm starting to realize, Lord, that there's never been a moment in my life, God, where you are not there. God, there's never been a time or a place where I've been, God, that you are not there with me. God, I am never alone because you are right there with me. And David understood that truth. We need to understand that truth, church, that you are not alone. Now, I know that sounds like a weird alien movie or some alien tagline, but, but what we're understanding, what we need to understand is that God is there with us. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're going through, the theological term for that is called God's omnipresence, that he is everywhere at the same time. It's not just that God can go from one place to another very quickly. It's that it doesn't matter where you're at. His spirit is there with you. And he's everywhere, all over the earth, at the exact same time. There's nowhere that you can find yourself that he's not there. It's like a Dr. Seuss book, okay? On a train, in a car, on a plane, with a fox, in a box. Like, wherever you are at. You guys, first service law, laughed a lot more at that joke, okay? Got to laugh with me here, okay? So it doesn't matter where you find yourself. No matter where you're going, no matter what you've done, God... God's presence is right there with you, that you are not alone, but he's near to us. He's near to us. David says, man, I realize that. God, I'm understanding that. And it's a matter of fact, if you read through this passage, he says, God, this is too wonderful. This is too amazing for me to even wrap my mind around God. But it's comforting to know that you are there. God, it's comforting to know that you are near to me. God, that you want to be close to me. God, that I am not alone. Now, I've mentioned this before, but I grew up. Um, in a pastor's home, so my dad was a pastor, and some of the places where we pastored, there would be a church, and there'd be what they call a parsonage, or a pastor's house, and it was on the same plot of land, and so in this small town of Shirley, Arkansas, where I grew up at, there was um, a place like this, there was our church, and then right across the parking lot in our yard, um, there sat the pastor's house, and that's where we lived, and in this particular church, in this pastor's house, they built it into kind of the side of a mountain, or the, the ground there, so the basement was pitch black because it was almost kind of wrapped around the entire house. And what my dad would do is he would, um, whenever it was time for my brother and I to go to bed, he would go downstairs in front of us and he would shut off all the lights and close all the doors. And it was like utter darkness there. And then he would call to us, Michael, Aaron, come downstairs, it's bedtime. And we would open up the door to the basement and we would start screaming like little girls, okay? Because we knew dad was down there, but we didn't know where he was at. And we knew what dad was going to do. He was hiding somewhere. He was lurking in the shadows, and he was going to jump out and grab us. And so I would always shove my brother down the stairs first because Michael's room was right there. And I was like, yes, dad's going to jump out and get Michael, and then he's going to expose where he's at, and I'm going to make it safe to my room. And, and if he wasn't hiding in Michael's room, 
I had the daunting task of running down the hallway, okay? And it seemed like that hallway was a mile long, and there was the bathroom and the laundry room and then my bedroom. And I knew at some point Dad was going to jump out and grab me. And there was kind of this fear there that I knew he was there. I couldn't see him, but I knew he was out there somewhere, and he was going to get us, okay? Now, before you think bad about my dad, it wasn't child abuse, okay? This was a game that we played, okay? Don't walk away thinking, oh, man, what did he go through? But, but kind of there was this game that we would play, and we would do that. But sometimes as Christians, that thought that we're not alone, that God is present there with us, it's not comforting to us. It's actually very uncomfortable. See, some of us live our entire life, and we don't want to think about breaking that fourth wall. We don't want to think about God being that audience that's watching our life, and it has to do a lot with our view of God. See, we have this picture. We've been told by some pastor, by some Sunday school teacher, or someone out there that God is out to get you, that he's watching you. He's like some heavenly Santa up there, okay? And he's got a list of who's naughty and nice, and he's going to give you a lump of coal or something. And so we walk around kind of afraid like I was, like, man, we don't want to run into God. We don't want God to be out there because we can't see him, and we don't know what God is like. And so this idea that you are not alone is not comforting. It's very uncomfortable. But David realizes, God, I know who you are. See, it's like that song that we sang this morning. If, if you read those lyrics, God, you are a good, good father. That's who you are, Lord. And David realized, God, you're not up there. You're not out to get me. God, you're not against me. But Lord, you're actually for me. Before I even lived one day, God, before I took one breath, you were writing my story in your book, Lord. You knew every single part of me. You knit me and formed me in my mother's womb. God, you made me. God, you're not against me. You love me. God, you are the creator of the world, and you are for me. See, for some of us, this idea that you are not alone, it needs to change from being uncomfortable to comfortable because the God that is out there, he's not against you. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He loves you. He wants to pursue you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And that idea that you are not by yourself, that God is watching us, that he is present with us, should bring comfort in our lives so that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to live on our own, but that God is there. God is present with us in every single moment of every single day. He didn't make you to mess with you, church. He made you because he wants to bless you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to get to know you. See, you're not alone. God is there and he's present in your life because he loves you and he wants to draw close to you. So what does that mean? What does David realize in this passage? God, I go through my darkest moments. God, I'm facing depression. I'm feeling all alone. God, I'm feeling isolated. I'm feeling like the world's against me. But God, I start to realize in that moment I'm not alone, God. And even the darkness, Lord, even those darkest moments, God, they're not dark to you, Lord. There's a comfort in knowing that you are there. See, Jesus is there in the midst of your suffering. He's there in the midst of your brokenness. He was there on the cross when he took the weight of the sins of the world upon himself. He doesn't flee from you when you're going through a difficult time. He's there. In your broken relationships. He's there in your financial trouble. He's there with no matter what you're facing. And David says that, God, I realize that there's a light even in the midst of dark times. Why? Because you're present with me, God. And that brings comfort to my heart, Lord. It brings joy to know that you have not abandoned me, Lord. That I don't have to do this on my own, but you are there. Church, it should bring comfort to know he is present even when you're sinning. You guys, even when you blow it, even when I make mistakes, even when I mess up, God doesn't run from me, church. 
I may be trying to run from him. I may be trying to get away from his plan and his purpose. But we see over and over in scripture, God is a God who pursues us. God is the God who chases after us. He's coming for us. He wants to be near to us. And our sin doesn't drive him away. Our sin doesn't scare him away. He loves us even in those moments. And he's calling us to himself. He's saying, hey, I have something better for you. He's drawing us back to himself. See, he's present there no matter what you're going through. No matter what you're facing. David sees that. God, you're there. There's nowhere that I can go from your presence, Lord. And so we realize that this morning, God, that we are not alone. But not only is God everywhere, not only are you not alone, but he wants to be near you, church. He wants to be near you. It's not like he's forced to be by us. Like, okay, God, you're omnipresent, so your spirit is everywhere and people are everywhere. So, of course, you have to be close to us. No, he's saying, you know what? I want to be near you. I desire to be close to you. You see this in passages in the Bible in Psalms chapter 38. He is near to all who call upon his name. Church, all you have to do is speak his name and he's right there. He's right there in that moment. James 4, 8 says that, that if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Now, this could be confusing because you could say, well, Aaron, how does he draw near? You've already said that he's everywhere. Like he's already everywhere at every moment, whatever we're going through, that God is there. So how could he draw near to us? See, there's these times that we see in Scripture where he's not just omnipresent, but where it's his manifest presence. Where God shows up in a special way, in a unique way to interact with us. There's something supernatural that happens in those moments. It's not just his general presence that he's covering the earth, but he steps into the brokenness. He steps into the pain. He steps into the difficult situations in our life to show his power, to demonstrate his spirit to us. See, there's a time where he wants to draw near to us, church, not just to be everywhere, not just for us to know that we're not alone, but to know that God desires to be close to his people. If you still have your Bible open, turn to Genesis chapter 28. In that Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 15. And we see this demonstrated. We see where God shows up in a unique way and how it changes the story of a young man named Jacob. Now we pick up on this story. The story of Jacob in the Bible is the story of two brothers, really. And these are twin brothers. They were born right in the same moment, Esau and Jacob. Jacob was the younger one. Esau was the older one. If you have an older sibling like I do, you know what it was like to be like Jacob. There's this sibling rivalry always going on. Now I remember that growing up, always trying to outdo my brother, always trying to be better. And that's how Jacob lived his life. He wanted to be better than Esau. He wanted the blessing. He wanted more. He wanted to kind of outdo his brother. And one day he takes it too far. He deceives his dad. He steals the birthright, the inheritance from his brother. And he deceives his dad and he steals the blessing from his brother. And Esau says, I'm done with you, Jacob. I've had it. Matter of fact, dad's old and whenever dad dies... And whenever we bury him and we've had the funeral, I'm going to come after you and I'm going to kill you. And Jacob gets scared and he starts to run for his life. He begins to flee from his brother and his brother's pursuing after him. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and laying down in that place, he slept. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set upon the earth. 
and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be dust of the earth, shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. In it, you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. What's happening here? Jacob's running for his life. He's fleeing from his brother, and he has nothing, only the clothes on his back. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have a home anymore. He is running, and he doesn't even have a future. And he has this understanding. All Jewish people, all Israelites understood that, that God, your presence is all over the earth. And so he knew that God was there with him, but he probably felt desperately alone in that moment. But see, there was something else that he needed to realize. And that was not only is God everywhere, but there's moments where God wants to draw near to us. And in those moments when we realize, when we realize, God, you're here, you're present with us, God, you're close to us. You want to be near to your people in those moments. Something like a God moment that happened to Jacob happens in our life. That God shows up and he begins to speak things to us that we can't see. He begins to promise blessings in our life that we don't see on our own. See, this was something special that was happening here. It wasn't just this idea that, God, you're everywhere, but that, God, your manifest presence is here in this moment. Your manifest presence is here in this place. In the Old Testament, if you read through the Old Testament, you see words like this, like the Shekinah glory. It was just the word for the glory of God interacting in a supernatural way with people when they were at the end of their rope, when they didn't have a future, when they didn't see anything. God would step into the picture and remind them, hey, I am here with you. I'm present and I am working on your behalf. See, church, when we start to realize like Jacob did, not alone. Jacob says that, God, you were here all along, and I didn't even realize it, but the moment he realizes it, the moment that he's open to that as he sleeps, God begins to speak supernatural things into his life, and it changes everything about his life. See, God is not only everywhere, church. He wants to be near to you. He wants to draw close to you. He wants you to open your eyes and to realize that he is present in your circumstance, in your situation. And that those moments when we realize that God is there, it changes everything about our life. It changes the circumstance that we're going through when we realize, God, you're here and you're present in this moment. So Jacob's running. And he's thinking, God, I don't have a home anymore. And God says, really, Jacob, because where you're laying at, that's your inheritance. That's what I'm promising to you. Jacob's saying, I don't have a future. And God says, you know what? I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth. They're going to spread out all over the world. Jacob's saying, I don't have any clothes. I don't have any possessions. I only have what I have on my back. And God says, I'm going to bless every single nation, every family on earth through your line, Jacob. That's what I'm going to do. See, in the moment that Jacob's heart is open and he realizes, God, you're near. God steps in and begins to speak some things over Jacob's life that are simply supernatural. Jacob can't see them, but he knows, God, you're here in this moment. You're near to me in this moment. God, you are right here, and you're present with me. 
Church, it does something in our life when we start to realize, God, not only are you everywhere, but God, you want moments where you interact with us. Lord, when we don't see the answer, when we don't see the solution, but Lord, you show up in the story of our life. God, you step into the picture and you begin to do something supernatural that we could not do on our own, that we could not see on our own. God, you do the impossible in our life. Why? Because you want to draw near to your people. God, you want to be close to us. You want to bless us. God, you want to work inside of our life. I was reading a story um, by a Christian author, and he was writing in a book about an interaction that he had with his son. And he said, my son and I, we were on a walk around our neighborhood, and we were pushing one of those radio flyer little red wagons. I don't know if you guys have seen those. And he said, my son had a whole bunch of stuffed animals, and he had put other stuff in there, and it was kind of heavy, but my son was dragging it along with me. And he said, we're walking, and at some point we go to get up on a curb. And he said, my son kind of pulls as hard as he can, and the wheel hits the curb, and he stops there. And he's like, I'm standing there kind of watching this. And he does it again, backs up, kind of pulls even harder and does that. He kind of tries to get a running start. He's pushing it. He's doing all of these things. And he's like, eventually I, I see my son there, and he's almost in tears, and he's so frustrated. And he's like, Dad, I've done everything that I can to get the wagon up there. And his dad says, no, you haven't. You haven't asked me yet. You haven't asked for my help yet. Church, that's how we live our lives, trying to do it on our own when our Heavenly Father is present there with us. And He's simply waiting for us to call upon His name, to realize that He is there in that moment, to realize that you're not enough. You're not strong enough on your own. You don't have enough wisdom in your heart by yourself. That's why His God, God is present there and He's standing with like a loving Father saying, simply ask me. Simply ask me, I can do it. I can help you. I can be present there. I can show up in a supernatural way that you cannot do on your own. See, God is not everywhere, not only everywhere, filling the earth with his presence. He wants to meet you in a unique, in a special way. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be there present in your life. And church, this not only happens in the moments here on a Sunday morning, when we're hearing the God, word of God, when we're worshiping together, God wants to show up as you're getting ready for work on a Monday morning. God wants to show up in your workplace whenever you're going about your day. God wants to be there. God wants to show up in your finances whenever you're going through those things. God wants to be present in your life. Church, when you're facing that coworker that's saying, hey, I'm going through a divorce. I don't know what to do. God wants to be there when you don't have the words on your own. When you get that doctor's report that, man, you have cancer, whatever's going on, there's some sickness in your body. God wants to be there. He's not leaving you alone. He wants to be present and show up in a supernatural way. That's why God draws near to us. He wants to be close to us. He wants to show us his power and his might at work inside of our life. Church, the only question is, will we realize it? Will we have that moment like Jacob where he said, wait, God, you've been here all along and I didn't even know it. But Lord, you're speaking to me now. God, you're speaking to me now, Lord. You've got my attention. God, you're doing something in my life. Church, are you going to realize that God is at work inside of your life, that he wants to be near to you, that he's present there, but he's also drawing close to you in a personal way? He wants you to experience the power of his presence. The only question is, will we break 
through that fourth wall, so to speak, and when we realize, God, you're there. And I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Before we respond to this message as the church, I just want to ask if there's anyone in this room this morning who you're realizing as I've been talking that God wants to be close to you. Maybe you came into this room, maybe you've been coming for a while and you've been thinking, God, I, I don't want to think about you being close. I don't want to think about you being present, God, because I'm uncomfortable with that. Maybe you've been viewing him as some judge up in heaven just waiting for you to mess up. But this morning you're realizing, hey, he's a good father. He loves me. He wants to demonstrate his love for me in a personal relationship with him. And if that's you, if you're in this room this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, you've walked away from a relationship with God, this morning he's calling you back to himself. He's inviting you into his family that you would come and you would be a part of his family. And if that's you right now, even as I'm talking, God's speaking to your heart. Would you stand up right where you're at? Would you come forward to this altar? I want to pray with you. I want to pray that God would give you a brand new start. Thank you. Anyone else? Don't miss this opportunity if God's speaking to you. Church, I'm going to ask if you would all pray this with me, whether you're saying it for the first time, whether you've said it before, repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. I realize I need you. I want you close in my life. So forgive me of my sins. This morning, give me a fresh start. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Help me to draw close to you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate? And I'm going to ask as, as they're praying with her, I'm going to ask if we would all respond this morning in this way. We want to be a church that is pursuing God's presence. The word of God says that, that whenever Jesus left, he gave us his spirit. That he left his spirit here on this earth to be with us, to encourage us, to open up God's word. That we would understand how Jesus wants us to live and what he wants for our life. So that his spirit could demonstrate the supernatural into our everyday, ordinary lives. That God could show up in miraculous ways to work inside of us. It just takes us recognizing his presence. And so I want us to do that. And we're going to just take a moment. We're going to worship together. And as we do that, we're just going to ask God, let your presence draw near to us. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. But Lord, we want to recognize that. God, we welcome you into our hearts and into our lives. We know that you're present everywhere. But come, Lord, this morning. God, be welcomed into our lives and make a difference this week. When we're at the workplace, God, when we're praying for someone, Lord, wherever we are at, God, show up and do the miraculous. So church, would you stand to your feet this morning? And as we sing this together, would you just begin to cry that out to God? God, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, come. We want more of your presence this morning. Let's sing this together, church. <laughs>